Welcome to the Shiva Podcast. Today we're doing another Origin Stories. Today it's with Brian Manning. Uh, Origin Stories is something we were doing with our senior engineers, where we're trying to talk to them about how they got into this, some of the lessons they've learned along the way, uh, maybe some lessons that you could learn if you're new to this. There's a lot to be said for the different paths people take when choosing their career choices. This has been interesting so far to do these interviews, and uh, so Brian's going to take it away today. He's been at Rocket for quite a long time since the early days. I've also worked with Brian before, uh, previous company Fullscreen. Yeah, Brian, why don't you tell us what you do at Rocket and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, uh, so I've been at Rocket for a little over three years now and uh, doing Android development pretty much exclusively. Prior to that, I had done Android development for a few years. Yeah, it's all Android these days, just about uh, with dabbling every now and then in other ways when needed. All right, so let's uh, let's like rewind the clock, flip back the calendar, you know, that classic animation. What year is it when you first started this, when you're first like, man, I got hooked. How long ago was that? When I realized I sort of wanted to do software development as a career, it was actually in college when, um, and it goes back to football. And so I played football in college, but was pretty terrible. However, one of the things that's pretty standard across every level of football is having these massive playbooks and they only get bigger as you get farther along. In college, we had, would have these big binders and every now and then they change the third down list packages. So rip out these, this section, put in this new section. I would only saw it as like a lot of overhead for coaches. So my big idea was to try to digitize that and put it online and in a website. And so even though I wasn't a comp sci major, I was a math major, I'd taken some classes and decided to, with one of my friends, you know, see if we can do this little bootstrap startup. Um, I think that it makes sense that a lot of there's a lot of college startups and right after because you don't know what you don't know. And it's pretty easy to sort of think you can do it all. And I learned out pretty quickly that I'm a terrible salesman. So that was a valuable life lesson. And, you know, but I really got into the software development. I had done some stuff as a kid, um, but it wasn't ever really a thing that I thought about as a career until sort of at the right after the college and the end of college. After that uh, startup failed and went away, uh, I decided it was time to get a job and get a job where I can actually learn real software development. So I actually joined an agency and I lived down in New York City at the time. I worked there for a few years, but I always wanted to get back into startups. So I eventually went to a pretty large entertainment company that I thought would feel more startup-y and at scale. I was there for about a year. Uh, it was quite stressful. And so I had an opportunity from somebody worked with there to join a true startup, uh, I guess you could say, in that it was a very small team. I think I was employee number 11 or so, and I uh, moved out to Los Angeles. It was a mobile social video startup where we were sort of the Instagram for video before Instagram had video. Got to see a lot of highs and lows, really get the full startup experience in, you know, it's about two years and I feel like I got to see a lot of different that's the full roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. So we, this was the days of the Facebook open graph and everybody publishing actions to Facebook. And uh, that really worked well for us. And we were sort of a preferred company. I don't know. However, Facebook algorithm work, uh, we were heavily surfaced. However, they realized that that wasn't a great user experience. And so eventually they sort of toned it down. And that really took the wind out of our sails. We continued to sort of like plug away, try to make it work, but we didn't get that uh, unicorn payday or any sort of explosion like that. And so we eventually got Aqua hired, um, is what I guess you could call it, by Fullscreen, where Brandon and I met. And in those days, I was splitting time between web and Android. And so Brandon actually got to teach me Angular. And so that was a fun experience where 
then at full screen, I was sort of splitting time between web and Android um, before eventually moving full time to Android. And I was there for two more years, decided with my fiance one day to, you know, we should take a break, quit our jobs and uh, go live in a van for six months and drive around the country. So not just any van. Not just, yeah, I guess it's, it's a 83 Volkswagen van again, Westphalia. And so it's a nice camper van, got a pop top, um, only broke down a few times. You make it sound like it's like, oh, I popped a tire. Yeah, you know, your engine died. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, people ask like, oh, so you must know a lot about cars. And my standard response is, well, I know a lot about a car. There's <laughs> one individual car that's a Frankenstein monster of uh, a Subaru engine in this old Volkswagen. And I don't even really know that much when it comes down to it. Just enough to... You know how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So did that. And then, um, uh, but we knew we wanted to move back to Massachusetts. And so actually, so I had moved, I skipped ahead. I had moved back while working full, full screen and uh, worked remotely in Massachusetts for uh, most of my time at full screen. And then we did the trip knowing that we would eventually make our way back to Massachusetts and sort of figure out where we wanted to go next. So then we got back in town and uh, I actually put out some posts on LinkedIn and then Brandon messaged me saying, Oh hey, uh, there's a small agency rocket uh, that I'm working with and working for. You should uh, come check it out. That was yeah, I guess like almost three and a half years ago because yeah. that would have been right around Thanksgiving of 2016 or December. Started on January 3rd, 2017, and uh, been there ever since. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now I'm curious, like when you were talking about the college side of things, um, you know, you weren't a comp sci major. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Like, uh, so after you got past that, have you ever felt in your career that you're like missed out on that, on having a comp sci degree? Uh, oh, there've been plenty of times when people sort of talk about things and it's more of, they have a language that I missed. Oh, well, algorithms. And you're like, okay, well that sounds like complicated and big and scary. And then when you actually like go and you're like, oh, I've been writing algorithms all the time. Like, it's just like, I didn't call them that. And so that was just, yeah. a, that's a simple example, but I remember First time I heard data structures be like, oh, no. And then be like, oh, I, I, I do this all the time. And so <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of, I think a lot of it isn't necessarily a major hindrance. It's like having words for certain things that I'm used to doing anyway that sort of get got missed along the way. But in terms of actual coding, there's very few times when I really feel like I missed out, especially because, you know, Android wasn't a thing when I was in college. None of this was a, it didn't exist. Kotlin wasn't a language. And so it was very different. What I was doing in college was mostly Java or JavaScript. And sure, I did that professionally later, but it was not nearly at the same level in college as it was professionally. Yeah, for me, that was Flash. I totally the same thing. You do it in school and you're like, hey, I did a little timeline animation. And then you do it like, in work and you're like, oh, the whole thing is built in like Flex and ActionScript 3. And it's like this big class inheritance thing. And you're like, this is the real deal. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So sort of see it at like a different level once you get out. And not to say that I... There are I'm certainly glossing over things that I would have would have been very helpful to have known or had earlier exposure to. And when it comes down to it, I've never, you know, I've never professionally had to work with kernels or lower level things like that. And so that's sort of a, I guess, a little bit more of an unknown for me. But there's going to be unknowns for everybody, every developer that has an area that they're more familiar with than others because it's a big world and too much to actually know it all. Great segue. That's the next question. So basically, like, why did you end up on the path you ended up? You could have gone a million ways. You could have been a back-end dev. You could have been working on kernels. You could have been uh, doing DevOps stuff. or You could have been You could have been a hacker. Could have been a hacker man. You know, like... <laughs> I feel like um, my 
strength of the developer has always been the willingness to not be particular about the language and structure uh, operating system that I've worked in. So I started when I did my startup. It was uh, you know it was initially PHP, but my the guy I started with who was way more advanced. Uh, he had done like finished a master's program in four years, really smart guy. And so he was like, oh, I'm doing .NET professionally, so like maybe we should just we should do .NET to make it a little bit easier uh, for me to not have to do context switching, which, you know, made sense to me. So I learned .NET, and then that was what got me the job um, at that agency, was that I had new .NET and uh, MSSQL. And so from there, um, that was what the next company uh, used however they had a lot of heavier front ends so I moved sort of more to the front end to own that part of it and that was when I was learning stuff like uh, Backbone was really popular um, and so that worked out well in terms of starting with something I knew and expanding into some other new area and then when I went to a startup it was again .NET with Backbone.js but then eventually we had to we were moving on to a Python backend uh, because we had a bit spark account that was up. And so we rewrote a lot of the backend in Python. And so I got to rewrite the templating engine and everything in Python. So then I got to learn some back in Python. And then we needed people to do Android. And because I, at the time there was no Kotlin, it was all Java. And I'd done Java in college and .NET is, you know, C-sharp is pretty comparable in that it's sort of, they're similar in a lot of ways. So then uh, moved into that to do Android to sort of fill in that gap. At full screen, it was sort of still doing both and filling in the gaps. Um, my willingness to sort of learn a new language and fill in a gap of, oh, we don't have somebody who does this. Do you think you can learn it? And just be like, yeah, I'll do that. Well, I certainly, I mean, I love Kotlin. Like working in Kotlin now on Android is great, but it's sort of, I didn't have like a, this is what I wanted to work in. This is how I wanted to do it. Like it wasn't like a, oh, I want to be an Android mobile dev. You know, I didn't say that to myself in 2008 when 2010 when Android came out you know and I couldn't have said that to myself starting out because that wasn't a thing uh, and so I couldn't have even said that five years ago that I wanted to be an Android mobile dev on Android working in Kotlin like because Kotlin wasn't a thing then sure Android was but it's a whole different world now yeah Kotlin actually makes it usable <laughs> yeah yeah makes it a lot a lot more pleasant and so I do think that that's sort of how my career has progressed is it's filling a need more than a, oh, I want to do this thing. Because when it comes down to it, the, the whole environment of software development changes so much that it's really hard to say like, oh, that's who I want to be and what I want to do. Because by the time you get to the point where, oh, I, I'm there, it's like you might want to be in some other place. Or you might have learned like, oh, that was the wrong call. Like I shouldn't have spent all my time learning Flash because Apple decided to kill it, for example. I mean, I thought I was going to be a PHP dev for, like, my entire life in the beginning. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. I mean, I know PHP's still around, and I am hating on it, but <laughs> I, uh, it's just so many damn dollar signs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's I moved away from it. Yeah, you can't get stuck in that stuff forever. It's But it's interesting because I, I feel like I actually did know where I wanted to go. I'm like, I want to do front-end stuff. I want to do the thing that people interact with, and I, I always knew that. And it's interesting. You're more just like, I just want to solve problems, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I... I... I do also like working in UI in general because it's like a, it's really easy to point at like, oh, I did this thing. See that button and that feature like that, I made that. Whereas it's a little bit harder to sort of, it's more abstract, I guess, in a lot of like, if you're having a really, if it's not a crud backend, if you're doing something really complicated, it's a little harder to you know, have that sense of like, I made this, uh, 
webcomic that you see of like this is like i can point to a thing and say i made this and here it is and you're like i arranged all these lights in a way <laughs> but then at the same time it, there's like you can i don't know i don't want to say do more damage but like you can oftentimes you can like sort of have a really big effect with back-end work so i sort of see it both ways but yeah it's a lot more in my mind fulfilling to say yeah i made this here's this app i made like this wasn't a thing before now it is along this path i mean it's been a long path you've gone to different companies you've worked with a bunch of different people um has anyone struck you as like man that mentor really stands out in my mind yeah I've, i mean i've led teams and been on teams where other people were leading and there's definitely i think a lot of it is learning the management style that works versus doesn't because i've had toxic managers and then i've had managers who were wonderful and like you know were willing to help me like grow and like how can you learn and um or how can I help you learn and how can I help you do your job better? And I wouldn't say there's any one sort of person who stood out in terms of, oh, I want to be like them. But there's always somebody who I admired, I feel like, at every company in one way or another for one thing or another. But usually it's the management style that stands out in your mind? Yeah, because, or I guess even just communication style. Because even if it's not necessarily a manager, or it's uh, people who are willing to both speak up, but then at the same time, don't value their opinion over other people's opinions. And so okay. sort of that combination, one of the very valuable things I've learned is being willing to like, you know, if you never say anything, nobody ever has any, like any clue what you're thinking. But at the same time, realizing like, I don't know, just because I came up with this doesn't mean that it's the right thing. And I'm not going to like emotionally attach myself to it. It's just like a, here's a solution. Oh, here's your, your solution is way better. We're just going to go with that. And sort of like having that philosophy and development of like it's a team sport it's not a individual contributors are great and it's great to have you know some somebody can crank out a bunch of functionality and features and code but ultimately it's like uh you're working together nobody's in yeah. makes sense so i guess on the flip side of that or maybe this is one of the lessons you learned the hard way but do you have any lessons that you learned the hard way maybe yourself that you're like like for me it was uh you know here's a common one you always hear like don't publish on a friday afternoon right like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a lesson you learn the hard way i feel like even though everyone tells it to you, you're like, you know, you're like, yeah, but this one's small. It's a small change. Like, you put up there, <laughs> yeah, like oh my God, I'm not going to be home for dinner. It's only a copy change. It's fine. Yeah. Well, so I guess one thing is sort of balancing security because to give an example, uh, on Android, you sign the APK or the Android bundle and you put it on the Google Play Store. But if you don't sign it with the keys you have and the key store file, uh, then you can't upload a new update. Like, it's just like you're locked out if you don't have those. And it's not just like credentials to log into Google Play. It's like you need to like sign. And Apple's similar, but I don't really know the details. You need, you know, a couple, uh, you need two different passwords and then an alias and then also have the, the, the file itself. And so I worked at one place where uh, Android developer left and did not tell anyone about these. And then I ended up having to do a brute force attack on the keystore file to find out the password and it took like i ran one uh, attack for like 48 hours and another one for i don't know how long later but it was just to get our own keystore file unlocked and so it was sort of this yeah you don't want to write down passwords places you don't want to just have some sticky post-it note with passwords but also have like a acknowledgement of like when there's very powerful domain knowledge that someone has because that someone can always leave or get hit by a bus or whatever and so it's sort of like a combination of keeping that institutional knowledge somewhere with both institutional knowledge and security keys and all that somewhere without it being like a, 
oh, no one can access this. If only one person can access this or only one person knows where this is, you know, it's like a balancing act when it comes down to it. Because sure, if you're a small startup, it's like, yeah, everybody can have the keys because not somebody here is probably not going to burn down the house. But then certainly it changes as you get to a larger company. And it's just sort of like one of those things that I feel like it's overlooked a lot and on sort of both sides of either being too secure or like not secure at all. And there's sort of like this, there's this middle ground to take. No, you're right. I mean, we were, we were talking about this recently. If you, um, there is a middle ground to take. If you go too secure, you end up, it's like, oh, you have to be on this VPN to build it or you have to be off VPN to build it, but you have to be on VPN to run it. So that's like a slows down the developer experience in a way that makes it terrible. Um, I know that this thing you're talking about where you sign a, um, sign an app is like a more of a rare event, but it all ties into like the whole developer experience anyway. And in this case, it actually turns into the product experience for a company. <laughs> yeah. So that's a big deal. Is it now were you able to brute force that because it was a short password? No, I was able to brute force it because there was, so we had, a, you know, different passwords to AWS and things like that. Um, and it wasn't like the same password everywhere, but it was, there were some, you know, if you saw, if you looked at them all in a page, it was like, oh, there's some patterns here of like company name, admin, one, two, three, three, two, one, stuff like that. It wasn't, you know, password one, two, three, but it was, or the company name, but in lead speak and sort of like some stuff like that. And uh, some commonly used like exclamation point at the end of it. Stuff that isn't all that secure, but at the same time you need both to have access to Google Play and to have access to uh, the key store file. And like, so there's multiple steps, um, but it, it, my second attack was basically like, a, okay, reuse these things that I've seen a bajillion times because otherwise it was just doing A, B, A, A. AB, like yeah. just all the way down. And it was gonna, it was never gonna get long. Well, I was gonna say, I was, was gonna surprised you got that. Time. When you said forty eight hours, I'm like, oh, that's faster than I'd expected. Unless the password was like ABC. <laughs> and it was because I, um, yeah, it was because there was a separate one where you could sort of give it an array and or like use these common seed things. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so you know, I actually think I might know the answer to this question, but. Um, what do you think is next? Is it going to be more Android, more Kotlin? You're going to double down on that? You're going to go just solve whatever needs to be solved next? You're going to get back into Angular? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it an Angular like 7 or something now? I think they just call it Angular now. And the, the one that we use was AngularJS. So, yeah, which is the one that no one wants to use anymore. Professionally, it's still going to be like, it seems like mostly Android, Kotlin. Um, though, uh, in this most recent client, I'll probably be doing a little bit of front-end work to help out um, where I can, because while JavaScript has changed a lot, at least CSS is kind of similar. <laughs> I can at least set borders and padding and stuff. There you go. All right. <laughs> um, there'll be a little bit of that. Uh, and then I've been playing a lot with uh, Flutter recently uh, with uh, that runs on Dart. For me, it's just it's a pretty interesting uh, way to compose a UI, uh, as well as just getting, you know, an iOS and an Android app for free. And I'm sure there's going to be some other growing pains along the way. But uh, in my mind, it seems like I could do an Android app just as fast in Flutter as I could with Kotlin and then get the iOS app for free. Is, you know, the, the pie in the sky dream, at least. All right. That's awesome. I've been playing around with that and a uh, Raspberry Pi that's sitting next to me uh, doing some Python stuff to do random tasks around the house, like play theme songs when somebody, somebody's mobile device connects to the Wi-Fi connection. Really? That's great. So yeah, little, not actually useful stuff, but fun stuff. Uh, that was a hackathon project we had for a while. I mean, I, now it's just going to be 
now it's just going to be me and my fiance because no one else is coming over to the house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can give Rugby Your Dog a, a theme song of his own. A little, yeah, some chip on his collar. Yeah, yeah, they, they make those. They're, they're wireless. Uh, they're cheap. It'll work. <laughs> Last but not least, you know, if you, do you have any advice for newbies? If you were to, if someone's like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into coding, I, I really, you know, maybe a boot camp or something, any, you know, what you, what's one thing you would tell them that if you're like, you know, after all your, your years of jaded wisdom? <laughs> it's going to be hard, but anyone can do it. That sort of has always been my take in software development is that sort of if, if you've got a laptop and you're willing to sort of spend time banging your head against the wall, you can do it and you will be able to eventually do it. And there's going to be frustrating times. A developer I worked with years ago sort of said it, software development is the only career where you can feel like a total idiot and a god in the space of an hour where you can have the lowest of lows and then like be jumping out of your chair, you know, within an hour of, it, of itself. So, so accurate. <laughs> that's going to be your experience. It's going to, you're going to have these real, you know, high highs and you're going to have lows and don't get frustrated and walk away. It's you're going to, if you get frustrated and walk away, just take a walk around the block and then come back. You'll be able to figure it out. And usually stepping away is actually one of the best things you can do in my mind is, you know, you walk away and, you know, go for a run or, take a shower and then you're like oh it was obvious all along this is what i was missing and so that's my newbie advice and it sounds kind of cliche of just like plug along because you will get it there's no like oh only certain people can do this or you need to be like this level of smart and that kind of stuff but i don't i don't believe any of that i think that sure if you're super genius you'll probably get it faster but anybody can get it i mean and that's the truth even if you're super genius you're still going to bang your head against the wall at some point. There's just no getting around it. Yeah. There's, it's just, all it is, is lots of learning. That's great advice. Uh, yeah. To add to that, I mean, like, um, like time box it. If you feel like you, you know, you're hitting your head against the wall, like say at three hours, I'm going to take that walk. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it off at three hours. Not like five more minutes, five more minutes. Cause you'll do what I do. I'm going to do five more minutes for like four straight hours. And then all of a sudden it's like three in the morning and you're like, Oh my God, I still don't have this fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly where I was four hours ago. Yep. I've done this twice now. Well, that's great. Um, so I guess we're near the end of the episode. So let's talk about picks. I'll, uh, I'll hand it to you first. Sure. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine uh, bought me this uh, comic or graphic novel. I don't know what the cutoff is when it goes from a comic to a graphic novel, uh, but uh, called Die, D-I-E. And it's um, sort of this take on uh, these kids accidentally falling into a Dungeons and Dragons-like world. The art is really unique and interesting, and it takes a lot of typical concepts you might see in any sort of fantasy setting and then, like, does them in a different way. It's pretty interesting, and Brandon and I play Dungeons & Dragons, and it's pretty a uh, fun part of my life. So having this comic was pretty cool to see, sort of like a shared experience. So there's two volumes out, and I haven't read the second volume, but the first volume was amazing. I think the second one actually came out this month, so I'll have to go look at that. Yeah, it was by Kieran uh, Gillen. I think I said it right. But uh, And then on top of that, he made a whole uh, role-playing game structure around that fits in with this comic that's sort of like different from the traditional D&D. And so I haven't played it. I've read a little bit about it, and it seems pretty pretty intriguing. Interesting. Cool. That was a good pick. Okay, mine's a little lamer than that, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, so... My pick is, uh, it's on Netflix. It's a stand-up. Uh, her name is Fortune Famester, F-E-I-M-S-T-E-R. She plays 
Dougie on Life in Pieces. If you've ever seen that show on whatever channel it was on, I don't even think it's on anymore. She was pretty funny on that show. And I was like, I don't know. She might not be great as a stand-up comedian. I don't know if I'm going to dig this or not. And um, we threw it on, and uh, I laughed a lot by myself. And I watched it again with someone else just to make sure I wasn't crazy. And uh, we laughed a lot together. So um, <laughs> it's worth it. You know, it's always risky when you try to recommend stand-ups to people because everyone has different tastes. But that one you would probably just skip over on Netflix, not being like, who the hell is that? Uh, but it's it was worth the it was worth a watch. It's funny. Yeah. So Fortune Famester. Yeah, actually, she was on Nailed It. Oh, okay. Uh, as like a guest judge for one of the episodes. Yeah. Oh, was she funny? She was funny. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> See, look at that. You got another another one right there. Another vote. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it. That brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. Till next time. <laughs>